Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory. Great pre owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. It's so important. And a fabulous service department that backs it all up every step of the way. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Time for a trip to the WMC department. You're asking, what does that mean? Wine, moan, and complain. All right, uh, let's uh, let's go to... Let's see what you did there. The master of it. Well, we're going to start by reacting to some breaking news in regards to the trade deadline, which we're less than five hours away from now. As the Padres are acquiring Pirate starter Rich Hill and first baseman G-Man Choi. Now, I've yet to see what the Pirates are getting in return. But regardless, I I have to tell you, I mean, I'm not a pirate fan, but I've I've been to a couple pirate games. Obviously, I've 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 been in the uh, Pittsburgh fan base, you know, since uh, being as, at school at Clarion, and this this team, this town, it's a love hate relationship with the Pirates. But when they're good, they all love them, and even it even so, yeah. like they will still support sure. this franchise as a, something to yes, do during the summer. Okay, yes, they do. And time and time again, Bob Nunning and this ownership continues to kick this fan base in the teeth, and they did it again today. Even when the beginning of this year went so well for them and then things have kind of fallen apart a little bit, so you're already toying with the fan base, and then now you kick him in the teeth again with this move. Now, Rich Hill was already in trade rumors, and if he, if he was going to be a guy that was going to be traded, okay, that's a vet pitcher that somebody can use. We expected that. But to trade G-Man Choi as part of the deal? I mean, that is outrageous. I mean, not only was the guy quickly a fan favorite, especially in the early going of the season, he was the main reason why the Pirates were relevant early on in the season. And, to, and now to trade him away... As one, that was one of the young stars that was actually well, going well with this fan base, and now you got to trade him away. <laughs> just once again, this is just another insult and salt in the wound to the Pirates fan base by this incompetent Pirates and selfish Piners, Pirates ownership. I mean, that is horrendous to trade G-Man Choi as part of the deal. You want to trade Rich Hill? Fine. But G-Man Choi should be a guy you should be continuing to build around with all these prospects you get in year in and year out that everybody gets excited for each and every year. It's the same same story with the Pirates. You get these young guys to come up, they start making an impact, fans start to like them, and then boom, 
they get sent somewhere else. It, it's sickening, really. Well, Rich Hill is 40, what, 44 years old? I believe. Yeah. He's in his 40s. Um, so and was having a good year, too. Yeah, he's having a good year, but he's not going to be a guy that uh, you're building around. Uh, so it makes sense to move him because of that. Um, when you look at G-Man Choi, obviously he's had a good year for them for the most part. Um, but he hasn't played that much. I mean, you know, he's only played 23 games. I mean, just to give a perspective, he's played even less than Aaron Judge. Oh, <laughs> oh my almighty! Um, you're talking about a guy who's on a one-year, $4.7 million contract. All right. So you don't have club control over him anymore because he's beyond he's beyond the service time. Um, and he is a free agent in 2024. So you're looking at a guy that has only played 23 games for you. He is 32 years of age. He's not a kid. I don't think people realize how old he is. He's 32. Okay. Um, and that's, I think, what enters into this. You're still mad. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. I don't think you realized Troy was 32. I did not realize he was that old, but I, but I, I still I would like to see them I, I keep some pieces, though. Is my point in all this? And, and I don't think you realize that he's only played twenty three games. He's only he's only had seventy three at bats. He's seventy six plate appearances, seventy three at bats. Dude doesn't walk much. <laughs> he has two walks and seventy six at bats, right? And hit by pitch once. Um, yeah, I think that's what enters into this. You know, when he's played, he's done a good job. He just hasn't played that much. And he's also 32. He does not figure into their future. So I think that's what comes of this. Um, so, and he's only signed through this season. All right. It's a one-year deal. So I think that's what enters into this. So Connor Joe is probably the next one that's going to play first base for the Pirates. Um, and it's the Padres do have, to their credit, a very deep farm system. And... Rich Hill, I believe, pitched during the Eisenhower administration. Just kidding. And it's interesting where they are, because I mean, Hill, by the way, he's in his 19th season. Okay? Um, 
and Choi's only hitting 205. So, again, in other words, this is – I don't quite think this is the slap in the face to Pirate fans that you've portrayed it to be, only because the logistics indicate it's um, two older players not under contract for next year going – and Choi again has hardly played, and that's a big that's a big part of it. Okay. Now he's just come off the you know I mean because Choi was on the sixty day IL, uh, so that's why he hasn't been out there. You don't like when I speak and use facts. That bothers you? <laughs> no, in, in this case, I understand, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's not as if they dealt. It would be a blow to the pirate fan base if they dealt Andrew McCutcheon. Now, I'm not. Is McCutcheon the most valuable player on the Pirates? I mean, no, but. He means something to the fan base. He means something. That would be a blow to the fan base. Rich Hill did a good job for him. But I think anybody logically would sit back and look at a 40-plus-year-old pitcher and say, okay, yep, I understand. We're not going anywhere. He's not going to be with the club next year. Fine. You know, makes sense. Same thing with Choi. Choi's 32. And, you know, he's hitting 203, so he's like, you know, he's got really essentially Giancarlo Stanton numbers. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. But I'd rather have him than Stanton. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Choi is a good, you know, when he's out there and healthy, he's a good, solid, professional hitter. There's no getting around that. He is. The good, solid, professional hitter. But got to be out there. And he has not been. So what's next on your hit parade? Well, I'm glad I, I saw this, this news came through because now I'm about to rip PNC Park. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this yesterday. So yeah. apparently during the Philly series... Mm-hmm. Every time they they would bring up the players' stats, every time a pirate player would come up to bat, instead of putting the stats, they'd have the player name, and then they would have like some smart Alec remark against Philly sports, like you know the the Penguins have six, however many Stanley Cups they have, the Pirate, the 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 uh, Flyers have Five. one, and have the, it goes on and on and on. Five to two. Uh, yeah. I thought I found that, and then they did the they did the same thing with the Phillies, or the same thing with the Eagles and the Steelers. First of all, I found that to be a little out of line. But second of all, if you're going to try to do something like that, <laughs> why, why is it out of line? Just stick it's to just the game. Ha- it's just having fun. It's a scoreboard, man. Yeah, but on the scoreboard, I want to read fun. how he's you're doing not, on the game and okay, stuff like that. But, but you're not making stuff up. It's just having fun feeding into the rivalry. That's all it is. Sports is about entertainment and fun. Right, just because you come out on the on the back end of of most of these, <laughs> that's what makes you mad. Now, to, now it's to probably, be fair, 
Okay. NBC Sports Philadelphia does the same thing. Like they'll put up some smart Alec remark on yeah. their on their graphics. Right. When, you know it's, when at post game, but I I never liked that either. I'd rather you stay just, professional and stick to the script. You don't need to add all this just, stuff. It's just look, and when it's on the scoreboard, it's just the club, and the club's having fun. They're feeding into the rivalry. So yeah, because because look, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia have not been in the same division for a long, long, long time. That's true. All right. So there really isn't, just like with the Eagles and the Steelers, what's interesting about it is that, first of all, you know, there's no NBA team. But they talk about the Philadelphia-Pittsburgh rivalry. They don't face each other that often in virtually anything. That's the second part that I was going to get to with this. The only real rivalry between Philly and Pittsburgh that they have is the Flyers and the Penguins. Other than that, Nailed. there's really no Nailed. rivalry between the Phillies and the and the uh, Pirates, and there's no real rivalry between the Eagles and the Steelers. Yeah, because they just haven't been in the same division exactly. for a long, long time in anything. I mean, you know, you know, even in the same conference in the NFL, uh, and at least both are in the National League in baseball, but they're not in the same division. So, you know, even in the past when they had those 19 divisional games, the Phillies and the Pirates weren't playing them. But they play up the rivalry, and the one that bothered you was the six Super Bowls to the one. Okay? okay you, le- me. you left it out, but that, that little nugget bothered you. The five Stanley Cups to two, eh, kind of bothered you. Um Oh, they all bother me. Actually, the the Stanley Cup thing bothered me more than the Eagle thing because the rivalry is there, but at the same time, like I said, I don't like it when NBC Sports Philly does it. I don't like it when PNC Park did it. So I'm fair on both sides here. Since 1983, Pittsburgh has won as many NBA titles as uh, Philadelphia. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. I'd like to point out they don't they don't have a team. <laughs> but they're even it's like it's like saying Austin, Texas has as many NBA titles as the, as Philadelphia since nineteen eighty three. Ah It's a Matt, it's a scoreboard. Okay. It's a scoreboard. Maybe you can make a complaint about professionalism on a TV broadcast, but it's a fan board up there. All right? It's nothing to get upset about. It's no big deal. And it wasn't like they made stuff up. Were there fun facts made up? No, they were they were on point. I'm just saying I it, don't it need to see that. You don't need to see it because most of it hurts your feelings. <laughs> no, I want I want to see who how Brian Reynolds was doing in the game. That's all. I want to see the other stats that are about the game going on there at PNC Park. I'm not there to talk um, about hockey or it, football or whatever. I'm there to watch baseball. You know, it's interesting. When I go to Fenway Park, they actually have multiple boards up there. Um, you can you can follow obviously what's happening on the on the big board on the left field wall, you know because they've got balls and strikes outs you know in lights at the bottom of the board, plus the line score. But then they've got another board, a video board in center field. Then they got another board that tells you what the pitch is, miles per hour, things like that. So there's information all around, and that's I think that's most ballparks have that now like that. 
so just like look around places and the information you want to find, you should be able to find it. Just find the location of it, you know, in the first inning of the game. You know? It's all right. Matt, it, it's entertainment. It's a ball game. And the vast majority of fans in the ballpark were Pittsburgh fans. So they enjoyed it. And they took two out of three in the series. They enjoyed it even more. But there's nothing wrong with it. They're just having fun. Now, I realize you're, you know, and people that listen to the show realize for the most part you're anti-fun. <laughs> F-O-U-L-E-D, that spells falta. Dare you have fun. <laughs> uh, Ron Cook wrote a uh, what? What time we have Neil on today? Normal time, two thirty-five today. Two thirty-five. Next half hour, Ron Cook wrote a great article about Jack Ham, and uh, Jack is to be honored this weekend at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and. I, th- I think I told the audience last week Jack wasn't going right. I, I don't think so because I I didn't hear about that unless it was oh, okay. when I wasn't no, here. Jack, Jack and I were talking. Yeah, Jack and I were talking last week because I talked to him yesterday, but we we were talking about training camp. And then Jack called me to ask me a couple of questions. I don't know Thursday or Friday last week. It may have been Friday. And I said, "Hey, by the way, I said you're going to go to the." Uh, the hall. I said, it's your 35th year. He says, nah, I'm not going to go. Well, Ron Cook wrote an article about it today, and I'm going to give you some of the highlights of it when we come back because he makes a lot of really good points. And there was a story circulating that the Pac-12 commissioner, George Klyovkov, or Pac-9, whatever you want to call him at this hour, will be presenting the outline of their new TV contract today. And this will be the make or break point because there are going to be some schools that have to look at that and say, okay, is that good enough? Can I get a better deal somebody else? Or moving forward, is this good enough? And it's not just good enough in terms of dollars. It also has to be good enough in terms of eyeballs. If they can look at it and the dollars are close, but there's not enough linear for their liking, because, look, coaches want people to see their games. Those two have to go hand-in-hand in in this. For example, the SEC and the Big Ten have no problem at all with people seeing their games. Now, the SEC has no streaming to it. The Big Ten has that limited streaming package, which uh, Penn State fans will get to live through the Peacock game with Delaware. But, yeah. So that's where that is, and we'll find out after that what the thought process is among the nine remaining schools there, because they're going to have to expand. They can't go forward with nine. If they want to keep a nine-game conference schedule, they have to add somebody else so you can play a nine-game conference schedule. Uh, but we'll talk about the Jack Ham article from Ron Cook in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. 
Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Elmwood's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And a great service department that backs it all up every step of the way. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. So let's get to... The article that Jack, uh, that uh, Ron Cook wrote about Jack Ham. Uh, and look, uh, a lot to unpack here because obviously this is the person that on a broadcast. And in a lot of ways, just makes me better. So let's get to that. Let's see something there. Oh, good. Yeah. No practice, by the way, on the day of the Purdue Memorial Golf Tournament. That's a good thing. There you go. Uh, he starts out his column saying Ron Cook, and look, I know you bring up certain names and people go, "Oh, Ron Cook, he hates Benson." Look, I have an opportunity to talk to him so many times. I personally like Ron Cook a lot. I mean, personally like him, and if you met him, you'd like him too. But that's, um, but it doesn't mean you're enamored with his opinions. You don't have to be enamored with his opinions. You don't. He called up Joe Green. Phone call comes in. Ron, this is Joe Green. And what happened was Ron called Joe Green about Jack Ham. And Jack is going to be among those being honored Saturday at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's the 60th anniversary celebration. And Jack, it'll be his 35th year, 35 years since his induction. Joe Paterno gave the speech. And then Jack was inducted 35 years ago. Now, you're talking six-time first-team Pro Bowl, 70s All-Decade team, 75th anniversary team, 100th anniversary team. And Joe Green said to Ron, quote, I'll talk to you about Jack under one condition. You have to convince him to come back to the Hall of Fame. Ron says, I told Green I tried and failed with Jack. Green talked to me anyway. And again, this for Jack and me, this came up in ca- casual conversation last week. I said, hey, by your 35th year, 60th anniversary of the Hall, I said, you're going to go? And he says, nah, Steve, I'm not going to go. We'll get to that part in the story here a little bit later. Joe Green said, quote, Jack was a great cover guy for one thing, but you, could also, but you also couldn't get outside the edge on him because he was great against the run. Jack could do it all. How many times, though? Have you ever heard coaches or players, and when they're talking about their career and about moments, they'll bring up something that still bugs them to this day that didn't go well? And I can tell you from a personal point of view, that's Jack. He says, you also couldn't get 
outside the edge on him because he was great against the run. Joe Green, quote, I cannot tell you the number of times that Jack has brought up O.J. Simpson in that regular season game, the one where they beat the Steelers 24-7 to at Three Rivers, getting outside and going 75 yards or whatever for a touchdown. I finally said, we were down at Auburn last year, and it was it came up, and he's talking about it, and I said, Jack, he said, look, it's been almost 50 years. I said, I think it's time to let it go. Because <laughs> in the playoffs, they blasted him after that. He talks about, I've heard him talk about that, because to this day, it still bugs him that he went too far inside. That's the perfectionist he is. says, Jack could do it all. Uh, Andy Russell said the Steelers defensive players would watch game tape at Three River Stadium and see him make what was for him a typically great play. The players would rise out of their seats in the dark film room and give him a standing ovation. Mel Blunt, in the 70s, there was no better linebacker than Jack Ham. Green, technically perfect. He was very, very in tune to the game. He played a smart, smooth, intelligent game. He was always where he was supposed to be, seemingly with the least amount of effort. Believe me, he put a lot of effort in there. See, this that what he said, though, this is the key to what Penn State fans are getting week in and week out with him. Smart, smooth, intelligent. That's how he played the game. That's how he broadcasts. Mel Blunt said, you watch film of Jack and watch the way he tackled people. To me, that was his strength, the way he could come up and fundamentally make tackles. You watch the old NFL films, and you see Jack. You want to talk about the ability to make a form tackle. He was great at form tackling. Mel Blunt says, but you know what? Let's not shortchange him. Jack Ham had tremendous athletic skills, and Jack is a great athlete. I think he could have been good at baseball or basketball or whatever, just a tremendous athlete. And, of course, Jack and I go out and we'll play golf. And I tell you right now, he can just flat-out play. His, his numbers, 25-and-a-half regular season sacks, 32 interceptions, 21 fumble recoveries. He had three more sacks and five more interceptions in the postseason. Two of those interceptions were in the win over Oakland in the 74 AFC Championship game, 24-13. Many consider to be the greatest win in franchise history. Joe Green said, do you know what I remember about those interceptions? Both were very, very timely. Very timely. Talks about how Jack had a foot injury that... Uh, Forced them to miss the ramp up to the uh, Super Bowl fourteen, their last Super Bowl win in that era. Uh, he never felt like he was the same player after that injury, which is true. All right. And when asked why Cam won't be going back to Canton for the Pro Football Hall of Fame ceremonies, Joe Green said, yeah, please ask him that. He's not as shy and bashful as I am. And I go back every year. So Ron Cook writes, I did ask him. And Jack said this. I can hear him saying it right now. I don't enjoy that. That's not fun for me. I'm 74 years old. I'm going to do things I enjoy. 
So you ask yourself, why then is he out there doing commentary on Saturdays for the radio network? You want to know why? You want to know how many times he has said to me in casual conversation, when we're talking about contracts, it's always when we're talking about contracts at that point, because we're always talking to each other, not always, when when the time comes up every three, four years, whatever it is, about contracts, you know? He always wants to make sure I'm on board, and then I want to make sure he's on board in the whole thing. Because Jack says, hey, look, you and I have fun together. I enjoy it. So you want to know why you have him as your analyst? He's having fun. right? Jack said, quote, I don't have a trophy room in my house. I can attest to you in no uncertain terms that Jack does not have a trophy room in his house. You would never even know he attended the Super Bowl let alone helped his team win it. There are no trophies anywhere. Pro Bowl selections? Yeah, now, does he have a gold jacket? Yeah, but it's in the closet. But no, he has his Super Bowl rings, because I've seen his Super Bowl rings. He doesn't wear them, right? But he does have them. Um, but in his house... Beautiful, beautiful. I love his house. Love. I mean, I know he was redoing. He was redoing the deck. Oh, back in June. And I said, "Oh man, I love your deck." And I do. It, it, his deck is tremendous. You know, grilling out there, and and I really nice. A lot of room. And then in his house. Joanne has a beautiful kitchen, right? And then he also has a bar area that is just, I mean, the house is set up to be lived in and to, when need be, entertained. There's nothing about his career in there at all. Nothing. So I don't have a trophy room in my house. I don't have any of that kind of stuff. That was a part of my life that I loved. I loved playing. But as Chuck Noll always said, you've got to get on with your life's work. It was at that point Ham offered a little friendly advice to not just to me, but also to Joe Green. Don't try to figure me out. It's just me. Well, I've worked with him so long now, I don't have to figure him out. And I do know who he is, and that's why none of this surprised. That's why, that's why when it came up in casual conversation last week, it didn't surprise me. He, he just wants to do things he enjoys. Um, and like I said, whenever we get to a contract, and it's always after the bowl game that we talk about. Like Because we're always we're almost always on the same clock, contract-wise, almost. Okay, every once in a while we're not. Um, but I know his contract; he knows mine because we we're very open about what we're doing. And it always comes up. He says, "Look, I I, I just want to keep going. I just want to have fun." And you know, and when he signed his last one, which was before the blue white game. He comes up to me at practice and says, hey, I got news for you. He says, oh, you're stuck with me. He says, I signed a new deal and he talked about, told me about the deal. Right. And 
I said, well, that's, I said, that's great news on three fronts. He said, that's great news, obviously, for me. He said, that's great news for the fans of the network. I said, it's also great news for Joanne to get you out of the house. (laughs) But let me tell you something about him. This reflects who he is. He's a man of great skill and no ego. Penn State fans love him. And no matter what you think of my performance, I am exponentially better because I work with him. You may think I'm terrible, but I have risen to terrible (laughs) because I work with Jack. I moved up to terrible because I work with him. So you may think I'm terrible, right? Or you may think I'm okay and I'm, I'm there because I work with him. I always tell everybody, work with people who make you better. He makes me better. Same with Dick Girardi on basketball. Same thing. Jack sees everything. It's that cerebral approach to go with his athleticism that gave him a great career that he now uses on the radio broadcast. He sees everything. The ability, he sees all 22. He knows why it happened and why it didn't happen out there. And I will listen to other games. Either, you know, I'll be driving back from Maryland or driving back from Rutgers. I'll have a game on as I'm driving in or a game on as I'm driving home, whatever it may be, you know, driving back from the airport. So I hear a lot of different analysts. And I want to give credit to the top guys, Kirk Herbstreit, Top Blackledge, uh, Gary Danielson, Joel Klatt. I mean, they're, they're, they're tremendous at what they do, really. They, the top four guys are really terrific. But this guy's a cut above. And between Jack Ham and Dick Girardi, I hope Penn State fans realize how incredibly fortunate they are to have two guys of this kind of skill, the ability to explain in layman's terms what's going on and why, or what's going on and why not. And that's what they do. And Jack is so inquisitive. And Dick's the same way, so inquisitive. You hear about... James Franklin making the Thursday walk around the field. James walks before every practice, and I've walked with him before. Uh, and But on Thursdays, Jack will walk with him. And Jack will spend the entire time. It's not idle chit-chat, how are the kids doing? And Jack will ask him questions. Right? To the point where now it's become a running joke between James and myself because James will come over to me when we go to do the talk show on Thursday night. He goes, hey, Steve. He says, well, I did my walk with your buddy. He says, had a lot of questions tonight. <laughs> but why is he asking the questions? Because he's always trying to understand and learn more. He's inquisitive. He doesn't stand there and think he has all the answers. He doesn't. So he asks questions about what's going on. It's what another element that makes him a great broadcaster. He has better, deep background. And the same thing with Dick Girardi with basketball. Because he's always asking questions, talking with people. A better, deep background that gives a better broadcast. 
I've told the story before, but I'll repeat it here. And it was early in our tenure together. We're working a game at Three Rivers Stadium in Pittsburgh. Penn State's playing Pitt. And in the first half, Jack's rushing. Yeah, really, you know, to the point where I noticed it. So we get to halftime. And after Franco Harris comes into the booth at halftime just to razz Jack, he goes, hey, Steve, you carried Jack the way we did. It's like, it's like okay, I got it. All right. But I said, hey, can I talk to you for a second? He says, sure. I said, why are you rushing? I said, it seems like you're rushing right now. He goes, well, I want to make sure you get it back. And I looked at him and I said, who cares? He says, who cares? I said, yeah. I said, Jack, Everybody listening wants to know what you are thinking and what's going on. I said, and more importantly, I want to hear what you have to say. I said, it makes for a better broadcast for me when I know what you're thinking and why you're thinking or why you're not thinking something. I said, but the audience wants to hear what you have to say. I said, so if you go long, I'll go shorter. If you go shorter, then I'll go longer. I'll set up more chess pieces on the board for the fans and describing two left, two right, shotgun, you know, running back to the left, who the running back is, whatever. I said, so it's just two guys talking football. And I think because I think he, I think he in, in the same, it's the same sort of Dick Girardi and I. It's two guys talking basketball. Right? So it doesn't matter who's talking. It's always like what's best for the audience. And Jack is great with the audience because he tells them why or why not. And then with the fans, I've never seen him not give an autograph to the fans. So I'll tell you this quick story. I don't know. This maybe was 10 years ago. So we're out there, and you know now we do the pregame show in front of the tunnel at Beaver Stadium. We used to do it, I think, as most of you know, outside the Jordan Center before that. So Jack would always sign either before the show started, but then during every commercial break, Jack would go over and he'd sign stuff, helmets, pictures, cards, things like that. One day we're over there, and it's later in the show, and I think we've got one or two segments. I think it was like two segments to go for. We have to go up in the booth, and we go to a commercial break. And Jack looks over, and there's nobody standing there. And he looks, leans over to me, and he says, he says, well, he says, I guess the star is dimmed. <laughs> he says, there's nobody there. And I looked over to him, and I said, hey, Jack, after 15 years, don't you think you got everybody? <laughs> and these are the comments, like, you know, people will see us laugh, you know, talking up front during commercial breaks. These are the little things back and forth that we do. But he's still competitive. I can tell you that. Whenever we play golf together, we play as teams, and he and I are always teamed together. right? And every time we play, we'll start to play. And then whatever it is, starting to play or starting the back nine, whatever, he'll always say, Steve, 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 look, we can't lose to these guys. <laughs> and we have like a 10-1 record, so we've been pretty good. But that's a great article you wrote. That that's who Jack is. 
He's a no-ego guy who's just fun, engaging, and intelligent. And I hope Penn State fans, football and basketball both, again, I hear a lot of serious XM games and a lot of really good people, but nobody in their, their class. Nobody in their class. And I watch TV and I get spoiled. TV basketball, TV football. Okay? The vast majority of them are not in Jack or Dick's class. Just aren't. And Penn State fans have the enjoyment of each of them for seven to eight months out of the year. How fortunate are you? And the most fortunate of all, me. I know beyond everything in my profession, nobody has it better than me. Nobody. Working with James, working with Mike, working with Pat, and then being paired up with Jack, paired up with Dick. Nobody has it better than me. All right. More next half hour. As we continue here on News Radio 1070. WKOK.